Standing on the platform of truth. Pioneer Health and Missions. Uh, once again, happy Sabbath. Uh, I'm going to invite those that can to kneel with me before we begin our study to pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Jehovah, we come before you this morning to ask for your forgiveness of our sins, for my personal sins, my shortcomings. And I pray, dear Father, that um, the special endowment of your Holy Spirit, that you can help us to be attentive to your words and help us to not only understand but apply what we learn. We thank you and we ask again that you be in our midst. In Jesus' name, your Son. Amen. Well, um, it's, it's been a busy week for me, mentally. My mind has been pretty much all over the place in regards to the messages that I have in store to share today. So I pray that you give a silent prayer in your heart because it is my desire for God to speak and not I. Okay. And with that said, our study this morning is in reference to an organized body. We know, I assume that we know, that the, that the creator of the universe is a God of order. He is an organized God. And his heavenly kingdom, although we're not there, we know it's an organization. And we know that he is the source of all things. And we know that the archangel, or Christ Jesus, is the chief or commander of all the angels in that heavenly government or kingdom. That I believe we should know. But here on earth, he has also a people which are normally known as the church, correct? And the church should also be an organized body. The church should also be an organized body. And perhaps, I don't know if your mind is going anywhere just yet, but I invite those who can to be present for the next meeting at 2.30, which is a little bit more in debt in regards to this. So here we go. The entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. In order for us to know what, God, what God's will is, we need to turn where to? The Holy Scriptures. Correct? And not only do we desire to know His will, but we should also desire and choose to follow or walk after His revealed will. What are you saying? Because it's not important. If we know His will, I'm sorry, if we are familiar with His will and we fail and execute it, what's the profit of that? 
As a matter of fact, I dare say that we bring condemnation upon ourselves for not walking in the light. We need to walk in the light. And the entrance of your words give light. And so we are not only to become familiar with it, but we must walk in it. Brethren, never allow anyone's ideas to unsettle your faith in regard to the order and harmony which should exist in the church. Many of you do not see all things clearly. The directions in regard to order in the tabernacle service were recorded that lessons might be drawn from it by all who should live upon the earth. Men were selected to do various parts of the work of setting up and taking down the tabernacle. And if one strayed and carelessly and put his hands to the work assigned to another, he was to be put to death. We serve the same God today, but now, but now the death penalty has been abolished. Had it not been, there would not now be so much careless, disorderly work in his cause. The God of heaven is a God of order, and he requires all his followers to have rules and regulations and to preserve order. All should have a perfect understanding of God's work. Is that statement pretty clear? If we, or as we read, if anyone that was assigned a particular work or service in the tabernacle, and he went ahead not only disregarded that uh, responsibility, but he became involved in something different, what was the punishment? Death. And yet, so many of us today are very careless. Not only are we very careless, but we're ignorant of these things. I know I was. And I still continue to learn. I don't pretend to know it all. But this is, a, this is very important. It's vital as well as all other Bible teachings. So I took Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 15 reads, So I took the chief of your tribes, wise men, and known, and made them heads over you, captains over thousands, and captains over hundreds, and captains over fifties, and captains over tens, and officers among your tribes. This is right after uh, when Moses had all the people of Israel. He needed help with so many to um, guide. And so this counsel was given to him. And so heads over thousands and captains over hundreds and captains over fifties was an arrangement that has, its, that has a divine origin. In other words, it was not man-made. It was divine-made. And Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people, rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers 
of tens. Let me ask you this. Was just anyone selected or chosen to have oversight over such groups? No. Capable men. Wise men. Not just anyone. So Moses had to have the Spirit of God leading him and those men close to him to carry out the selection of the right shepherds. What do you say? Leader over thousands. Today we know them. It's, it's a governing body or commonly known as general conference. Leader over hundreds. Overseers over the union or commonly known as union conference. Then we have leaders over 50s, local district overseers or commonly known as local conference. And number four, leader over tens, congregations, churches. And in these particular congregations, we also have men in responsible positions, correct? We have the treasurer, we have deacons, we have elders, and so forth. From the outset of the journey from Egypt, lessons had been given for their training and discipline. Even before they left Egypt, a temporary organization had been effected. And the people were arranged in companies under appointed leaders. At Sinai, the arrangements for organization were completed. The order so strikingly displayed in all the works of God was manifest in the Hebrew economy. God was a center of authority and government. Moses, as his representative, was to administer the laws in his name. Then came the council of 70, then the priest and the princess. Under these captains over thousands and captains over hundreds and captains over fifties and captains over tens. And lastly, officers appointed for special duties. The camp was arranged in exact order. The tabernacle, the abiding place of God in the midst and around in the tents of the priests and the Levites. Outside of these, each tribe encamped beside its own standard. The people of God were an organized people. And when the enemy would behold Israel, they would see a very well-disciplined people, an army. And all was to be for the purpose of the glorification of their God, their true God. Because he was the one directing his people but we read here Moses was that chosen vessel right so oftentimes God chooses men do we understand that God chooses men he places upon men the conviction of a message and as people draw and accept this message, the crowds become larger and larger. So what do we need to do now? We need some type of organization. We should never, and it's, it, it's a sad situation, we should never rebel against God's order of things. 
we should never rebel against God's order of things. The time and strength of those who in the providence of God have been placed in leading positions of responsibility in the church should be spent in dealing with the weightier matters demanding special wisdom and largeness of heart. It is not in the order of God that such men should be appealed to to for the adjustment, adjustment of minor matters that others are well qualified to handle. Every great matter they shall bring unto thee, Jethro proposed to Moses. But every small matter they shall judge, so shall it be easier for thyself, and they shall bear the burden with thee. If thou shalt do this thing, and God command thee so, then thou shalt be able to endure, and all this people shall also go to their place and peace. So in other words, as the crowds become larger, there's more issues. Right? There's more problems. And one man can't, is not suffice to deal with every single thing, especially in minor cases as we read here in this statement. And this is another reason why shepherds or elders were given that responsibility to help with the cause. Do you have that attitude? Would you like to help with the cause? I pray that that is your mental attitude to help with the cause. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. But what is this statement saying? For God is a God not of disorder. We profess to follow and worship the true God, don't we? I believe everyone here professes to worship the true God. How vital is that we become familiar with His ways, His will. What does God want? What is His will? Not what does so-and-so want or such-and-such, but what does God want? What is his will? Our profession means nothing if we don't choose to obey his instructions and are not willing to know his will and execute it. We can profess all we want. But if we don't execute his revealed will, it's, it's nothing. There have ever been in the church those who are constantly inclined toward individual independence. They seem unable to realize that independence of spirit is liable to lead the human agent to have too much confidence in himself and to trust in his own judgment rather than to respect the counsel and highly esteem the judgment of his brethren especially of those in the offices that God has appointed for the leadership of his people. God has invested his church with special authority and power, which no one can be justified in disregarding and despising. For he who does this despises what? God himself. 
why do many have a problem in carrying out such statement today? Because our current church, the corporate church, is an apostasy. How can I follow their instruction or submit to such class? How can I do that? We can't. But that's not the all. That's not everything. And I really encourage you once again to the, uh, the next meeting that we're going to have. We'll get in debt into more of this matter. The Lord in His wisdom has arranged that by means of the close relationship that should be maintained by all believers, Christian shall be united to Christian and church to church. Thus the human instrumentality will be enabled to cooperate with the divine. Every agency will be subordinate to the Holy Spirit and all the believers will be united in an organized and well-directed effort to give to the world the glad tidings of the grace of God. Church to church, brother with brother, shoulder to shoulder, working together in harmony as the angels of God work. Are the angels of God divided? No, they're not. They are not divided. It's often so easy just, just, I'm out of here. That's very easy. Because we all have personalities, right? And we're not all there where we should be, correct? But that's not a reason to abandon shit. That's not a reason to abandon shit. As an important factor in the spiritual growth of the new converts, the apostles were careful to surround them with the safeguards of gospel order. Safeguards. What do you understand when you hear or read safeguards? What do safeguards do? They protect you. Right? They protect you. And here the apostle, we read that he was careful to surround new ones with um, organization or gospel order. We keep reading, churches were duly organized in all places in Lyconia and Syria where there were believers. Officers were appointed at each church and proper order and system were established for the conduct of all the affairs pertaining to the spiritual welfare of the believers. All was arranged for the welfare of new believers, for their safeguard and spiritual um, health, appointed or ordained, as we I just read or we just read together, someone has to have the oversight of these congregations. So there were men who were appointed. It was at the ordination of the twelve that the first step was taken in the organization of the church 
that after Christ's departure was to carry on his work on earth. Of this ordination, the record says, He goeth up into a mountain and calleth unto him whom he would, and they came unto him, and he ordained twelve, that they should be with him, and that he might send them forth to preach. I want to say the following. And I'm welcome to criticism and correction. Okay? When Christ chose the twelve, had they reached the point that we all need to reach? Yes or no? Were they completely united? Yes or no? Nevertheless, he chose them. And he placed into their heart a desire to follow their master. Even though, when the time came for Jesus to get executed, they all scattered. Even though, in their heart was the desire to follow their master. And only one was lost. We know the story of the rest, correct? Why am I saying this? God has placed a conviction in men today. He has caused them to move. And before them now is something that perhaps they did not intend to do. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's, it's, for example, God tells me, through the reading of His Word, to share this message. And I go and share, and I start, well, yeah, I... I start winning converts, or God starts winning converts and recruiting people to a human agent. What is my responsibility now? And I have now a group at my home of 20 people, 30 people, and before I realize, uh-oh, what now? Do I just drop these people? My intention wasn't, I didn't see what I'm now seeing. And that I believe, from what I can see, is taking place now in a large scale. God foresaw the difficulties that his servants would be called to meet. And in order that their work should be above challenge, he instructed the church by revelation to set them apart publicly to the work of the ministry. Their ordination was a public recognition of their divine appointment to bear to the Gentiles the glad tidings of the gospel. Who was ordained here in this statement the apostles the apostles yes 
But prior to this, they were ordained or appointed by who? By God himself, by his son. I hope I added a quote that I would like to share that goes along with this. Both Paul and Barnabas had already received their commission from God himself. Praise God, I have it here. And the ceremony of the laying on of hands added no new grace or virtual qualification. It was an acknowledged form of designation to an appointed office and a recognition of one's authority in that office. By it, the seal of the church was set upon the work of God. Could these men who had been selected and chosen by God protest it to the church laying their hands on them? I was called by God. I don't need no one to ordain me or lay their hands upon me. Was that their attitude? No. Why? Because they were one. And they all recognized their individual positions and where they were all stationed as an army. We're not all given the same responsibility, although we all should share and witness, yes. But these men were selected for evangelizing. There's unity there. To the Jew, this form was a significant one. When a Jewish father blessed his children, he laid his hands reverently upon their heads. When an animal was devoted to sacrifice, the hand of the one invested with priestly authority was laid upon the head of the victim. And when the ministers of the church of believers in Antioch laid their hands upon Paul and Barnabas, they... By that action, as God to bestow his blessing upon the chosen apostles in their devotion to the specific work to which they had been appointed. It's quite clear, right? Overseers. The overseers of the congregations, who are they? Who are the spiritual shepherds of the church today or even when it began, the elders. And I will not exclude the deacons. See, today, let me see if I remember correctly. The, the, no, I'm not going to remember. But I, today the deacon is looked upon as a janitor of the church. That's not what a deacon is. A deacon is a man of God filled with God's spirit. Capable of teaching. And giving talks and, and helping their spiritual brotherhood. Stephen was a deacon. Was he not? Stephen was a deacon. A man full of Holy Spirit. The organization of the church at Jerusalem was to serve as a model 
for the organization of churches in every other place where messengers of truth should win converts to the gospel. Those to whom was given the responsibility of the general oversight of the church were not to lord it over God's heritage, but as wise shepherds were to feed the flock of God, being as samples to the flock. And the deacons were to be men of honest report, full of the Holy Spirit or ghost, and wisdom. These men were to take their position entirely on the side of right and to maintain it with firmness and decision. Thus, they would have a united influence or uniting influence upon the entire flock. And I don't want to exclude that these men who have oversight need to be compassionate. What do you say? Will a sheep, I've never pastored or shepherded sheep, but animals can sense, right? They can sense if their shepherd is one that they don't want to get near to. Even the children, we read, they wanted to be around Christ. I got a lot to learn. But we must be compassionate, tenderhearted, mild in our character. Firm in the truth, but Christ-like in character. And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. You guys recall this incident? So you have the congregations that the apostles are establishing. And behold, here comes a man with a certain message. And his message is, you all need to be circumcised. And they open up the Hebrew scriptures because the the New Testament wasn't quite ready yet, right? And they open up the Hebrew scriptures and they point here and proof text here and there to show that God's people need to be circumcised. Can you imagine now? The church is now shaking, right? If I need to be circumcised then... And I need to be circumcised. Well, what was the, what happened? Besides the shaking. When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small, no small dissension and disputation with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other men of them should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about this question. Okay, Paul and Barnabas could have said, let's go take care of this. But that's not what the record states. Where did they go? To Jerusalem. For what purpose? To speak or talk to their brothers there. To the rest of the apostles. To see what was their thoughts as well. And I'm not saying or insinuating that Paul didn't have a view. I'm sure he did. But nevertheless, he didn't exclude his brothers at Jerusalem. They were 
There were the men who had walked with Christ, literally. And he acknowledged them as leaders of the Christian congregation. So he decided to go. And when they were to come to Jerusalem, they were received of the church and of the apostles and elders. And they declared all things that God had done with them. And they wrote letters by them after this manner. The apostles and elders and brethren send greeting unto the brethren which are of the Gentiles in Antioch in Syria and Cilicia. For as much as we have heard that certain that certain which went out from us have troubled you with words, subverting your souls, saying, Ye must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we gave no such commandment. It seemed good unto us, being assembled with one accord, to send chosen men unto you with our beloved Barnabas, Barnabas and Paul. And so when they finally came to a conclusion over this matter, a letter or a document was sent out to the congregations to notify them. We know that this is carried out in the corporate church, and they're in the right. They believe that. They need to carry it out. Whether their beliefs is, are, 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 are correct or not. So when they were dismissed, they came to Antioch. And when they had gathered the multitude together, they delivered the epistle or the letter, which when they had read, they rejoiced for the consolation. They did what? But what about those who were, who actually believed the new message? Maybe, well, maybe not the new message. But the teaching that, was, that invaded the church, did they rejoice? The, then came he to Der, Der, Derb and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess and believed. But his father was a Greek, which was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Achinium. And as they went through the cities, they delivered them the decrees to keep that were ordained of the apostles and elders which were at Jerusalem. And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. So this letter helped them to be established in the faith. Not only did they write out their stand on the issue of circumcision, but they also listed things that the Gentiles should apply to their life as well. That they were to follow. In this instance, James seems to have been chosen as the one to announce the decision arrived at by the council. It was his sentence that the ceremonial law and especially the ordinance of circumcision should not be urged upon the Gentiles or even recommended to them. James sought to impress the minds of his brethren with the fact that in turning to God, the Gentiles had made a great change in their lives and that much caution 
should be used not to trouble them with perplexing and doubtful questions of minor importance, lest they be discouraged in following Christ. But I can send to you because humanity has not changed. We're the same. There were people there present that didn't agree or didn't believe that this circumcision was of a minor or a minor issue. So they didn't agree. The council which decided this case was composed of apostles and teachers who had been prominent in raising up the Jewish and Gentile Christian churches with chosen delegates from various places. Elders from Jerusalem and deputies from Antioch were present and the most influential churches were represented. The council moved, moved in accordance with the dictates of enlightened judgment and with the dignity of a church established by, by the divine will. As a result of their deliberations, they all saw that God himself had answered the question at issue by bestowing upon the Gentiles the Holy Ghost. And they realized that it was their part to follow the guidance of the Spirit. In other words, these men who were not circumcised were receiving, or God was giving them His Spirit. Right? So they figured, who are we to say that they need to do such things to come into line with God? If God is already blessing them with His Spirit. They realize that. Notice this. Did it? Yes. The entire body of Christians was not called to vote upon the question. Isn't that interesting? If they would have called everyone, would have how how would have been as easy to come to a conclusion? The entire body of Christians was not called to vote upon the question. The apostles and elders, men of influence and judgment, framed and issued a decree which was thereupon generally accepted by the Christian churches. Not all, however, were pleased with the decision. There was a faction or ambitious of ambitious and self-confident brethren who disagreed with it. These men assumed to engage in the work on their own responsibility. They indulged in much murmuring and fault-finding, proposing new plans and seeking to pull down the work of, of the men whom God had ordained to teach the gospel message. From the first, the church has had such obstacles to meet and ever will have to the close of time. This is, we haven't seen the end of it. It's going to continue. But I tell you, you better make sure that you're in the right place. And for you to know, you must be a student of the Bible and the testimonies. Otherwise, we will be misled. And not necessarily by another individual, but by our own mind, our own thinking. 
we can't have confidence in ourselves. Paul had dedicated himself and all his powers to the service of God. He had received the truths of the gospel direct from heaven. And throughout his ministry, he maintained a vital connection with heavenly agencies. Interesting. Who did he, who he kept this connection with? Heavenly agencies. Who were in the work of guiding these men? God was guiding them. Aren't his angels also ministering spirits? And they minister not their own to say their personality, but the Spirit of God, because the Spirit of God dwells in these heavenly agencies. And the Spirit of God could dwell in us as well. He had been taught by God regarding the binding of unnecessary burdens upon the Gentile Christians. Thus, when the Judaizing believers introduced into the Antioch church the question of circumcision, Paul knew the mind of the Spirit of God concerning such teaching and took a firm and unyielding position which brought to the church's freedom from Jewish rites and ceremonies. So yes, Paul did have a viewpoint, and that was the correct one. Notwithstanding the fact that Paul was personally taught by God, this is, notice this statement. Notwithstanding the fact that Paul was personally taught by God, he had no strained ideas of individual responsibility. While looking to God for direct guidance, he was ever ready to recognize the authority vested in the body of believers united in church fellowship. Ever ready. He felt the need of counsel, and when matters of importance arose, he was glad to lay these before the church and to unite with his brethren in seeking God for wisdom to make right decisions. Even the spirits of the prophets, he declared, are subject to the prophets. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. 1 Corinthians 14, 32 and 33. With Peter, he taught that all united in church capacity should be subject one to another. Is that the mindset today? No. But it's counsel. Counsel, and not just any. It's if we believe that the Lord has spoken through Sister White, we will be saved from the many delusions that will come in the last days. That's a humble attitude of Paul. And the reason why he was humble, it was because the Spirit of God dwelt in that man. We need the Spirit of God. Desperately. Overseers in the congregations, and this is our last view here. Who are these overseers? Well, elders and deacons. They have been given that this portion or responsibility. For this cause left I thee in Crete, 
that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. Here's a question. For this cause left I. Who's this I in this verse? Paul. And Paul is saying, I left thee, referring to, to um, Titus, that thou shouldest sit in order the things that are wanting and ordain elders in every city. So the ordination of these elders, for lack of a better word, came from above. Now, of course, if you go to a congregation, because they're scattered, right, all over Asia, and the, the apostles were growing, and he doesn't know everyone there. He doesn't know, you know, their spiritual walk or how close they are, how consecrated they are. But there's, there's people there. There's spiritual men there. And by all means, he does take counsel. But nevertheless, the ordination came from above, from the top. Obey them. This is one heart Perhaps one that we don't practice too often or we don't practice at all. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. For they watch for your souls as they that must give an account. That they may do it with joy and not with grief. For that is unprofitable for you. I guess I didn't write down the text there. But if you're a Bible reader, you know it's in the Bible. We need to obey and submit to those who have a position of authority? Is that what the scripture is telling us? Very difficult to follow and carry out today. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. So again... We need to work with those who have an oversight over our souls. God has placed them there for a reason. Nevertheless, I have a responsibility as well. And my, resp my responsibility is to be a faithful Berean, to help the cause. I'm reminded of Luther, Martin Luther. And I'm not sure um, if the, well, the documentary, they display Luther before the council, right? When he's before the priest. And the way it's, um, it's portrayed, the way at least I perceived it, was Luther was pleading with those who had the lead over him. I don't want to rebel. I don't want to do this, but please, please show me where I'm wrong. I can do no other, he said. His desire was to work with his brethren because that, those were his brethren. We need to have that mental attitude. Show me 
where I'm wrong. And if you're shown, then accept the correction. What do you say? I invite those who can for the 2.30 meeting. It'll be more in-depth, and the content will be one that I... Um, I didn't place myself here to share it. In other words, I didn't want to share it. I never thought I would be sharing it. I never thought that there would be a time to share such content. But it's God's word. So let's share it. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, which is a light to give light to our path. I pray that everyone here, including myself, of course, that you give us a desire to walk after thee, to look at these things that we haven't done so thus far and to apply it and walk in the light. We thank you, dear Father. We ask that you continue to be with us, watch over us, and keep us. It is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Standing on the Platform of Truth Pioneer Health and Missions